Hi, I'm Ella, and I am a compulsive overeater. Oh, my goodness. I am a compulsive overeater. Um, and, you know, I knew this. I knew this in my bones when I was long before I came to OA. I came to OA in 1982, and um, I've been here half my life now. And um, that is so shocking because when I first came, I was not impressed. I didn't like OA. It met in a dingy community room and I didn't, being a snob, I didn't like the rug. And also I thought I was a spiritual know-it-all. I had been on a lot of um, retreats. I'd been doing everything I could to stop compulsively overeating, every kind of diet, every kind of non-diet, every kind of theory about why I overeat. And I, it, but I understood instinctively that I was an addict with food. And I understood that. And it wasn't until I came to OA that that understanding was confirmed. And not only was the understanding confirmed, they said, but we have a way out. We have a way of stopping. And that what wor has worked for alcoholics, that is the 12 steps of AA on which our program is based. They said what has worked for them will work for us. And, and I believe that that's true. And it took me a long time in the program when I say I've been here half my life um, 40 odd years. Um, I spent the first mm, 13 and a half years really struggling. I would abstain for a period of time and then I would overeat for a period of time. And I would try a new kind of food plan, a new sponsor. I'd try something different and the but the things remained the same. And I wanted, I always want to qualify by saying, if I knew exactly what it was that had allowed me to stop overeating um, on the day that I did, and I mean, stop harming myself with food. Um, let's, let's be real here. Sometimes uh, a meal is big and, um, but it always has an end and it never involves certain substances. That is as clear as my, <clears throat> well, that's one of our first tools, the plan of eating. And my plan of eating involves three meals and the meals usually have certain components like vegetables and um, protein. They don't always have those, all of them, but they usually do. And um, and I don't eat certain foods. They, I just don't eat them no matter what. And I don't, I don't really crave them. I feel very fortunate in that way. So um, when I, but when I came in, 
I was not really enthused about the idea of a plan of eating. I knew everything about nutrition. I was Miss Macrobiotic and it didn't matter because believe me, um, you can give yourself quite a lot of illusions by saying, well, it's a macrobiotic cookie and it doesn't have any, you know, flour and it doesn't have any sugar and it doesn't have this and it doesn't have that. It doesn't have eggs. But on the other hand, it's a cookie. And it turns out that a cookie by any other disguise, I always felt that the invention of health food, junk food was about the worst thing that's ever happened to compulsive overeaters um, because you can spend an awful lot of time reading those labels, sort of like you're reading the Talmud or something, you know, studying the label. Oh, here, I'm sorry grape juice sweetened down in the 10th <laughs> ingredient here. It's okay, it's safe. Um, but that there, there isn't, you know, it's still a problem. So um, when I came in, as I said, I wasn't too thrilled, but a few things happened and they happened in terms of the tools. Um, the person, a person on whom I relied a great deal at that time, an alternative healer. And I called him and I said, I um, didn't like the meeting. And he said, they have identified the problem, have they not? And I said, yes. And he said, well, you go to those meetings for a year. And then if they don't work out, you can discuss not going. And there's nobody else in the world who could have told me to do that and that I would have listened. But I did. And fortunately, and I'm, I don't know, I'll tear up. It's tool number two. I went, um, I went to a, another meeting and there I heard a woman speak and I asked her to be my sponsor. And she said, yes. And, um, you know, I always used to call her. She was a little old gray haired lady. And, um, she was younger than I am now, um, minus the hair, and she liked to wear high heels. So um, you could always hear her clicking into the meeting. But that woman took my phone call every single day, tool number, whatever. I'm, I'm going down them. We have plan of eating, meetings, telephone, sponsorship. But I called that woman every single day at 745 rain or shine, traveling or not, no cell phones, no answering machines, no texts, just the phone call. And I called her every single day. And every single day I told her what I was going to eat. And then the next day I told her what I had eaten. And they didn't bear any resemblance to each other. But for some reason, I, it got through my thick noggin that if I just was willing to tell people the truth about my food, and um, that's what sponsorship did for me. It gave me a space in which I could tell the truth without self-recrimination, without blame, without shame. And I think that the shame brought about by this disease for many of us is one of the most crippling facts of it. And that that it it's it's not very different from the way I still feel in the world. 
um, I can still cringe at some of my behavior. And um, I know from experience that turning over the behavior and the cringe to a power other than myself, maybe it's greater, but it's certainly other. And I hope it's greater because I certainly can't do these things by myself. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about the literature because I've been um, reading the big book with a sponsee, we read it every morning. And it's been very, very helpful. I know there's some people who think, you know, the program is only the big book and nothing but the big book, so help us God. But um, I think that it still has very powerful things in it. And I think what it was, when, that was the only literature that was available when I came in was the big book. So I have that attachment, you know, the way you have attachment to the music you heard when you were younger. And um, <laughs> the, the attachment is that the stories are so, I could identify with the devastation. I could identify with the complete horror and powerlessness over the addiction. I could identify completely with that kind of feeling of just being in the gutter and not being able to get out. And I feel like those stories helped me because they said, look, here are people who feel, who felt like you, who suffered like you, who made a total mess and wreck of their lives. And look, their lives have been transformed. And I had to say, if that could happen to people who were just so pathetic and so downtrodden and such criminals, then surely there had to be some hope for me. That's uh, 10 minutes, that so I... I thought so. Um, so um, the literature has been very important. And I'm glad that we have OA literature and I'm glad that we have workbooks. Um, I want to say that the thing that's been the most helpful and I still, still think is the most helpful about the tools is that they give us concrete actions or they give me concrete actions to do. And there's nothing like, um, you know, people are always saying, are you working the program? Um, which makes it sound like, you know, you're in the salt mines working the program, doing a lot of heavy lifting here. And really, it's not like that, at least it hasn't been for me. Um, but in fact, it's, it's, an, it's actually an easier, it's easier when I utilize the steps. It's easier when I pick up the tools. It's easier when I make a phone call and tell somebody, look, I said something really off the wall yesterday and I'd like to take my skin off. And they say, mm, yes, I've had that feeling. And so the tools, the tool, especially of sponsorship and of the telephone and of meetings, give me that opportunity to really relate to another person and that there's free help out here all the time, that we're always ready to help each other. Um, I'm not so great on the plan of action. Like what I mean is 
I'm actually pretty good on the plan. It's the action that's a little bit difficult for me. And I would say it's more than a little bit difficult. Um, that's one of the great um, challenges in my life. And that each morning I get to pray and ask that I be willing to put first things first. And um, I was at a meeting earlier and the woman spoke of having um, that the th that the three F's that that she that were the feelings which bothered her, the fear which was the result of those feelings, and the fantasy which was what she and the food, four F's, um, what she used to um, cope with those feelings. And I now that I don't overeat, don't have um, a coping mechanism other than this program. So other than saying to a higher power in the morning, saying a prayer and saying, let me put first things first. Let me not be afraid to take up some of my responsibilities. And um, it's not easy. So I'm, I'm gonna stand here and say, I've been abstinent for decades and I still procrastinate. And I find it one of the most difficult things to get over. And of course, hello, procrastination makes everything worse. And um, still I do it. And I just keep on being willing to come back and come back and keep on coming back, no matter how many times I still put things off. So service is something that I have found really helpful, um, both in and out of the program, that the more helpful I can be, uh, the, the, the better I feel. And the more I can give, the more I feel I have. And I think that, um, like yesterday, I helped brown bag some food for um, a senior center where they give away bags of food to people. And it, it was kind of odd as a compulsive eater to be bagging, you know, jars of peanut butter and um, bags of rice and macaroni and cheese. But it was it was for a good cause. And I know that the people who got the bags really were grateful to get them. And I was grateful to be able to do it. And I was also impressed by how many joyful people were at the senior center helping and that this is something they regularly do. And um, no one was particularly young who was doing it. And they were still hoisting these, um, I don't know, I wish I could have taken a picture of the yams and the sweet potatoes that were being given away because they were so humongous. Obviously, the grower felt that they couldn't sell them, but they were the size of a baby. I mean, it was really incredible. Um, so there we have service and anonymity, I guess, goes without saying. And it's more than um, it's more than just not using people's last names. And it says it's the spiritual foundation because it reminds us to place principles before personalities. I'm not quite sure. Does 
I'd like to have that be a topic because I really wish someone would really explain to me exactly what it means, principles before personalities. Because I don't think it means you have to like everybody. I think it means being able to see what is really essential here. What is my business here? Why am I getting so derailed by a personality? Why do I think I can indulge in being snitty or being um, irritated? In other words, what is the problem that I'm not being willing to completely accept this other person just as that person is? And, you know, it talks a lot um, in our program about taking life on life's terms and accepting reality as it is, which doesn't mean liking it. And it doesn't mean um, wishing there were more of it. It just means this is what's happening. And there's, I don't have power and control to change a great many things. And if I, and I remember once being on a, um, this makes me want to cry too, May, being on a retreat and we were supposed to write a dialogue with God. And I was very angry because I was still binging and also because I had a bad ear infection. And I complained to God and I said, what about this ear infection? And God said to me loudly, Ella, if I could fix your ear, don't you think there's a lot of things I'd be fixing? And this just kind of made me want to cry because I felt, oh, God is suffering too. Suffering looking at the creation and looking at the people and saying, my, Two minutes, goodness, my goodness, what are they doing? Um, so in any case, I, I know that God is not a fairy godmother, unfortunately, and that... Um, if I pray for a you know an ear infection to go away, it means that I need to go to the doctor. And um, when I turn something over, and when I put something in a God box, which I consider another wonderful tool, um, I'm really asking for the willingness to be able to handle this and to do my part. And the willingness to do my part is not always easy to come by. And I just want to acknowledge that. I'm getting to be more than a senior. I'm qualifying as, as uh, 81 years old. And um, the body is not, is not cooperating in the way I would like it to. And I'm just going to say that because it's something I have to talk about because I feel I don't want to feel ashamed of just a natural process and one over which I have no control. And um, I think that might be where I want to stop. I just want to say that I'm very grateful for this program. I'm grateful for all the lessons it teaches me. And I'm grateful for the opportunity it gives me to is that my time uh you have 10 seconds oh my goodness 
I'm grateful for the opportunity it gives me to have met so many wonderful people, some of whom are just smiling at me right now, and also for the opportunity to be of some use in this world. And that's, we are promised a life of sane and happy usefulness. And we're not, I'm not always sane and I'm not always happy, but I try to be useful. So thank you.